How you doing? This is Let's Talk Ball. I'm Thad Brown along with Carl Jones. Every single week we break down the Bills game, the X's and O's, looking at the film, talking about the plays and the thinking, which is what we'll talk about a lot in this game, behind the physical on the field. Bills destroy the Dolphins. I think, Carl, to sum it up, number one, if I had talked to you last week and said, Buffalo's going to win this game by four touchdowns, how many things would have to go right for, you to ha for that to happen? You'd probably say, what number? Everything. And then what did happen? Everything yeah, almost went right for them. That, that's kind of how it goes. Let, let's, let's start on offense first. Give me your impressions. To me, I thought this was a Ken Dorsey game to begin with. He did so many things right. There was one thing that you talked about, though, that you and I were just talking about that I might push back on a little, but it's a good point nonetheless. First off, shout out to the new logo. So <laughs> that's right. Going. Forgot about that, everybody. Mike Alchin, <laughs> making us look good now. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm sorry but, about that. Uh, speaking of that, though, uh, about things looking good, Ken Dorsey, once again, another great game plan. For the past three weeks or so, I think they've done a really good job. But especially, I thought, this entire time you've been hearing about teams are going to play more too high coverage against Josh Allen to prevent the explosive plays. I would do it too. I'm going to force Josh Allen to take the five-yard plays and force him to methodically move his way down the mm -hmm. field. Well, one way you can combat that is by getting under center and doing play-action pass. And the reason why that's so beneficial, if you can get a good enough running game and force that other safety down in the box as opposed to staying high, you have to respect that. There's not a defense in this world who is just going to allow a six-man box to be going up against eight, eight offensive players and be okay with that. Because I don't care who you have offensively, you're going to get five, six, seven, seven yards a pop. And because of that, a lot of the Bills' explosive plays came, up, came from under center looks where that safety dropped down in the box. Uh, Stephon Diggs, 17-yard completion on the sideline early on. Was an under center look. Gabe Davis late in the game was a busted coverage, but under center as well. Gabe, uh, Stephon Diggs, long touchdown, under center as well. So it was a one on one look. Basically, with the point I'm trying to make to make in this scenario, when it's single high like that, those corners are on islands. There's no help for them. And look, Kater Kohu, I think, is a really good player. He's going to have a long career in this league. But boy, he struggled against Stephon Diggs because of that concept right there. He was on an island, no help. There's no flat defender to help you out when Stephon Diggs is running 20-yard curls. There's no curl defender who's going to help you out 15 yards down the field. So I thought that was a very, very heady adjustment by Dorsey that you've seen over the past three games, but in this game in particular, they really hammered it home. So the question I have for you then is, why don't they do it more? Because they only ran 12 personnel a quarter of this game, which is by far the least of the, the amount of they've used that personnel grouping so far this season. Now, to be quite frank, I don't know why they don't run it more because they're so effective at it. I mean, a lot of the explosive plays we've seen this season mm -hmm. have come from when Josh Allen is doing that little fake play action. No one's really buying it or whatever because it's Josh Allen. But a lot of their plays have come from that perspective. And I, I guarantee from here on out, teams are going to have to play pick your poison with Josh. You're going to have to come down in the box. And as long as they can get a running game that is conducive enough to give you four or five yards a pop, that is one way where I think you can effectively create explosive plays in a scenario where we're in this world where everyone wants to live too high. The other thing I'm going to say to, to go against this, as you pointed out, one of the explosive plays was a blown coverage. You know, the Gabe Davis one late. The game was kind of out of hand that, like, who cares? The other one, now the one that digs in the sideline, it may have been a blown coverage, but it required Josh Allen to make one of his incredible falling away throws. That's because James Cook just completely botched the... Exactly. Completely but, botched but, the, but the, you know, I think the point I'm making is to say that they made explosive plays, because the thing that... I'm not impressed with the 12. Because, A, Dalton Kincaid right now, his run-pass splits out of 12 is bananas to the pass side. Dalton Kincaid the last two games has been on the field for six run plays. How do you get anybody to sell? Like, I don't care if, if you think I'm going to run or not. 
when I have Dalton Kincaid in the field, you're going to throw out of that 80, 90% of the time. Why do I care about my safety? I know what the play is going to be, whether you're in 12 or 11 or whatever. You know, I know what you're saying, but I think some of the 12 success, at least in this game, was more circumstantial than that particular formation. Now, as, as we talked about before, less 12, more under center play action than the personnel on the field. I, I think the Bills can do that out of 11. Hell, they can do that out of six linemen on the field, too. They've done that a couple times. So I, I don't think it's so much 12, but I think, I think the under center play action stuff is where you're going. Because it's a way to isolate Stephon Diggs. You can't double Diggs in that scenario. I mean, if you do, then Gabe Davis and everyone else has no safety help. Over the top, yeah. Over the right, top. Right. So uh, that's one way where you can isolate Stephon Diggs as opposed to when it's spread out. You can sit in those cover two soft shells. You're right. I guess teams really aren't keen on the fact er this early in the season that Dawson Kincaid isn't out there to block. Mm. So maybe that's a tendency that teams pick up on later in the year. But to this point, Every single time they're on the center, that safety's coming down in the box. And I guess at this point, the Bills are like, all right, I guess y'all think we're going to run it, but we're not. I mean, at this point, the Bills are doing so many good things on offense that, you know, I don't know how much the formation necessarily matters. Everything succeeded in this game. Real quick, one more thing with Kincaid. I want to ask you, as a guy who played, you know, at a high level, if I told you that there's a guy in the field that played six snaps of run and 25 snaps of pass, Obviously, it's not 100%. You know, how much does that tendency make a difference when you're on the field? Oh, you play on tendencies. Like, okay. it's like anything else. Like, you mm -hmm. play on tendencies, uh, formations, down in distance. You're all, I'm not going to say you're out there guessing, but I know at corner, you know exactly if it's third and five, there are certain routes you're going to run. I'm going to play the percentages. You're not running a goal ball on third and five. Mm -hmm. Slants, curls, um, digs, all that good type of stuff. If it's third and one, you're probably not going deep. Like, yeah. So things like that. You're going to play the percentages with routes just like you will with players. So 80% so is a big number to be playing. You know, it's only two games, so we'll see if the Bills break the tendency next week. Beyond that stuff, um, I thought Josh Allen had another incredible game. Um, I don't think it felt like that. You know, the numbers were good. Four touchdowns, a fifth on the ground. You look at that, and he might win player of the week just based on that. But, like, play to play, he was really good. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't feel like a spectacular game. And then the more you watch it back, the digs throw on the sideline. I told you there was an incompletion, one of the four, that I thought was a fantastic throw late in the game. So Josh was really good in this one. Really, really, really good. I mean, that fadeaway, I mean, I, you really couldn't tell during the game because after the game on Buffalo Game Day recap, we were like, oh, like, was there really any great Josh throws? Yeah, yeah that was one. Uh, QB school, JT O'Sullivan, he does a good job with his YouTube page. He said, you guys are kind of taking for granted how difficult that throw is. And you're right, we see Josh Allen every darn week. That throw makes no sense. He's doing a fadeaway guy in his face on the money left. That made no sense. So just that throw is just one example of how Josh Allen really took it to the fence. The uh, Diggs touchdown, by the way, and we'll take this to move into the Diggs part of the discussion because he was just as good. The Diggs, I don't remember which touchdown it was, the long one where he's running a stop route on the sideline. Coe's got him. I mean, that is covered. And for Josh and Diggs to connect on that play, I've seen Diggs run. How many stop routes does he run with Josh Allen? Like a gazillion at this point? You know, when they get seven yards on that, I barely, like, you know, break a sweat. It's, it's a yawn play now. It's so good and so um, accept, understood it's going to happen. This was a 17-yarder, not to the boundary side, to the field side. So a far throw. And the defensive backs in front of him, how Josh, you know, knew and had the trust in Diggs to separate on that play, that was an otherworldly QB and receiver play. I think in that scenario, it was another example where it was one high safety and he knew he was going to have one-on-one on the outside. Sherfield on the other side against Xavier Howard, Diggs versus Cater Kohu. Easy choice. I think Josh predetermined where he was going to go with that play as soon as he got to the line of scrimmage and seen one dude in the back. The other part of it, too, is that he was getting a, a penalty called in that play. So some of that's like, I'm going to throw it over there and two out of three things are my way, so I'm just going to take a shot. Um, 
Offensive line-wise hit on that quick. I thought by and large good. Um, Osiris Torrance had a couple reps where he lost to Christian Wilkins. Wilkins is a great player. That's going to happen. Deion Dawkins, not his best day ever, but definitely not a negative. Um, you know, Spencer Brown made some good plays. Not, I think they were better last week as a whole against Washington. I agree. Mainly because of the personnel they went up against. But still, this was like, what, a B-plus, B at worst day for the offensive line? I think they set the tone early on that first drive. Now, from there, they weren't as high as they were, especially mm-hmm. in the running game, where yes. they, they allowed some holes in Cook and Murray to create a little bit down the field. Linebackers, to me, were the adjustment for Miami. They started attacking late, and the Bills couldn't reach them for the most part. Yeah, they, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that's because I believe on that second uh, drive where Cook went in, Jerome Baker was a little hesitant to, to trigger. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the same case earlier in the game. So I will give the Bills O-line credit, though. They took it to him early, uh, I guess laid the foundation, and from there, I want to say smooth sailing, but 48 points is 48 points. Let's flip it to the defensive side because this was the, the side of the ball that we talked about most going into this week, and probably we should have led with that here, but whatever, we're, we're on it now. Um, all right, what changed between the first two drives and then everything else after that where Miami had – one touchdown. I'll let your, you can do your theory first. Well, apparently Bernard and everyone else said they just got the calls. You know, McDermott mm-hmm. said, oh, yeah, they were finally getting the calls. Because but the, 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 the crowd got quieter? The was just so okay, loud. Yeah. But, I mean, in all seriousness, no, though, I really couldn't tell really a schematic difference. I mean, um, I, I did like a nugget that you added that you'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, the guys just really honed in on their, on their, on their 111th and what they were supposed to do, especially, I think, the second drive, they really started to hone in, especially. Yes, I agree with that. Even the, though Miami scored, I yeah, agree. Like, mm-hmm. you could start to see it come together a little mm-hmm. bit. The first drive, guys were running wide open. Even the tip play, um, there were still guys who were, uh, I think, were open that 2-1 who could have progressed to. But I think the play that kind of encapsulated how the rest of that game was going to go, that you, at the time, you don't know. But looking back on it, you had a, it, it served a good purpose. That cover two, Great play. I by think I know where you're Raheem going. Mostert. Just great, great yes, play. Yes. I mean, just mossing, I think Taylor wrapped and Trey White up the sideline. But the reason why a 30 yard completion was still a great play for the Bills. This is the first play of the second quarter where Mostert made a great catch on the sideline. Yeah. At that point, looking back on the film, the Bills knew that they had Tua because he was guessing. And not, not saying he did that every rep, but they brought a simulated pressure. They only brought four. So Tua's like, oh, okay, I think you're blitzing. So it should be one on one over there, right? Well, wrong. They were on cover two, rap was underneath. White was on top. Now, granted, Raheem Mostert made a great play, but that kind of showed the Bills kind of played the game on their terms in terms of where, in terms of where they wanted Tua to go. They were making the chess moves, and the Dolphins and Tua were reacting more so. To me, I think it might have been two plays before because the very first play of that drive, you know, Matt Milano did a nice job widening out into a, a throwing lane. They tried to go play action and hit, you know, a little post or a curl route over the top of the linebacker, and Milano was there. Now, Tua at that point checked it down to someone else got like four yards, but, you know, you could already tell the Bills had an idea of what they wanted to do when we're starting to execute it. The nugget you talked about, and the thing that stood out most for me, the Bills on the first drive sent five rushers on three plays. The rest of the game, they sent five rushers or more on three plays. Now, four if you want to count the two-point conversion, but other than that, three total times. So A, they were getting home with just four, which is something we'll talk about a little more in a minute here. But because of that, they always had bodies on the back end. If Miami wanted to run some of that motion, trying to clear guys on the front side of the play, um, you know, with widening linebackers and moving coverage around, there are always bodies there. It was, you know, there are so many plays where Miami would run two receivers, short intermediate, and it'd be Milano, Bernard, Taron Johnson, or two of those guys in a corner, just in the way, just, again, making two a think, making two a guess, making everyone unsure in a white and aqua uniform in that game. 
and being able to do that and still get good pressure, which they did. Not, not great pressure, but more than good enough. To me, that was the difference in this game. And then I think beyond that, there were just things that went Buffalo's way. Not, not accidental things, but like Matt Milano made two or three Matt Milano plays. But then on the forced fumble that Matt Milano made, there's a blocking assignment that's missed. There's a tackle that pulls around to the outside, and there's two guys trying to block the corner, and no one's blocking Terrell Bernard, which opens the door for Milano. So going back to where we started this, what did the Bills do on defense? They did a little bit of everything. <laughs> it did, and, and sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way how football works. Yeah. Not everything is going to be because, oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, we did it. We're the reason why. Like, sometimes the other team, you know, they get paid, too, and they messed up. It, it is what it is. But I, the Bills' defense was like a boa constrictor in this game. They really restricted the airspace and yes. wanted to play anywhere where Tool wanted to go. And that's kind of like how the way you beat the Dolphins. Now, having said that, this isn't some blueprint where, like, oh, this is the way that every single team in the league can duplicate this game plan. The Dolphins were down two starters. I get it. All that good type of stuff. Mike McDaniel got away from the run a little bit earlier than I would imagine. Having said that, I understand why he did. You're down three scores. Right. Having said all of that, though, game script went in the Bills' defense way. Um, up front, they lost some bodies. Tua was off his keister a little bit. A little bit of everything. Exactly. You know, yeah, that, and that's how you get a 28-point blowout. It doesn't mean the Bills aren't better than Miami. I think very much they are. But for the game to go the way it went, it wasn't just, wow, this was a great Sean McDermott adjustment or this Bills defensive line is that good or Matt Milano is that good. Although Matt Milano might be that good. He might, yeah. 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 But it, it was, you know, different, you know, aspects of everything. And then even with all that said, it's 34-20, third quarter. Miami's got the ball to where if they score a touchdown, it's a one-score game. I think everything's back on. And I want your take on this because I, I, I have my read on it, but you're more of an expert for sure. The interception to Micah Hyde is a play where I, I know for sure that Tua decided to snap. That's where he was going with the ball. Because it was one click look to the right, trying to move his safety, came back. I don't know who the receiver was. Bernard was short. Hyde was over the top. I think that play is there. I think Tua just flat overthrew it. And I think a better throw gets a completion, and then maybe they're moving the ball. I think, one, well, two things. One, there could have been a possibility he would have taken the little choice route to Tyreek Hill on the right side of the ball, but Matt Milano and the linebackers in general did such a good job of taking away the inside easy access throws. Mm-hmm. So even if Tua didn't want to go there, that wasn't open. So then when he did come to the outside. To the left side. To yeah. the left side, excuse yeah. me. Robbie Chosen was running up the seam. He, it was a bad throw, but I do think the depth that Tyrell Bernard, Tyrell Bernard, excuse me, got on that play may have influenced it a little bit. Also, since they weren't empty, there was no run threat for Bernard to come up at all. So he was able to get more depth mm-hmm. and stay um, and force a, a bubble of a throw or just to a just flat out miss a throw because there wasn't a lot of pressure on that play. He just flat out missed a throw. But also, that's what happens when you force a quarterback to be right time after time in those constricting coverages. I'm going to force you to be perfect on every single snap. And then, you know, on top of you talk about the, the coverage being restrictive or kind of choking off the the space for Miami the Bills offense being so good also choked off the margin for error to where yeah two is taking that throw but he's got to hit it and he knows he's got to hit it and it makes it a little bit harder individually who kind of stood out to you um I thought Daquan Jones was fantastic again in this game and I'll tell you what I don't think it's a tough argument I might say that even though Christian Benford didn't play too much I thought Dane Jackson was maybe a little bit better than Benford in this game Dane Jackson had a game, especially coming off the bench, uh, right out like in the middle of a drive, you know, Benford going down. The play about of him breaking off on, on the um, the short out throw. The short out, the Braxton yeah. Berrios, excuse me. That's a high-level play. I don't care how many times you rep that in practice. 
we've all seen that play, and you're still late to it. So the fact that he was, I think that was like maybe one of his first or second drives out there that he well, made that play. Actually, the first play I think he came in right after the injury. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that shows you how locked in he was. And then also on the two-point conversion, I, I mean, that's Tyreek Hill. I don't care if he's 5'8 or 6'5. That's Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was able to get his hand up in there and make a play right there, those are the plays that you need your corners to make, especially in a defense where Sean McDermott is not asking a lot of his corners. But when I do need you to make plays, make those plays, and he did in, in that game. Anyone else stood out defensively that you want to talk about a guy that, you know, whether it be positive or negative, there weren't, weren't many negatives, right. you know, but uh, um, anything else that kind of stood out for you in this game from the Bills? No, I mean, Matt Milano was just also really good at football, if you didn't know that. Mm, um, we said that a couple times. Yeah, I mean, outside of that. It's still not enough. It's not, yeah. It's just he played with his hair on fire. I feel like he just wanted to hit everyone as hard as he could and inflict pain. So, I mean, that's always cool to see. It was like Matt Milano also channeling Taron Johnson's <laughs> energy when it comes to, to run stopping because that's how, how Taron Johnson plays. Um, I thought not quite a, a great Ed Oliver game, but I do want to point one thing out. Um, in the first half, when it was still a game, there was a third and two. I think people probably remember this, where uh, the Dolphins tried to throw to Raheem Mostert short, and the throw was way off. Mostert was there. I watched it again, didn't notice this the first time. Oliver, instead of rushing, realizes that it's going to be a short throw, realizes that he's probably in the passing lane, and just sits there and essentially tries the soccer goalie to the ball away. And to me, Ed Oliver is the number one reason why that pass wasn't converted because the coverage had sank so deep, it was only third and two, they were going to convert it. But he just sat there and got in the way and forced the throw. Two is not that big a guy, makes it a little easier. And, and for a game where Oliver didn't pop when it comes to tackles for loss or sacks and that kind of thing, that was a pop play to me. And, and of all the you know, good things we've seen from this Bills defensive line, to add that to the repertoire, not that he didn't have it before, I was pretty impressed by it. I never played D-line, but I do remember one quote. They said, if you can't get home, put your hand in the air and play DB. And that's what Ed Oliver did on that play. It was more than DB. Like I said, he, he knows the ball's going around him somewhere. He's just trying to like get his, you know, it's like they say when you, when you run into a bear in the woods, make yourself big. I don't know if that's really a thing you should do. Don't do that at home. But that's what he did kind of there. And, and it, was, it was one heck of a play. Sean McDermott, by the way, I think we've kind of talked about it a little. But the scheme was excellent. You know, they didn't blitz a lot but definitely a couple of blitzes they didn't send, especially that one right at the end to give Greg Rousseau the free run. Uh, you know, there were a lot of good buttons that McDermott pushed in this game. I mean, Trey White had two cat calls off the edge where he just corner blitzed. And, like, honestly, I don't know what the tail is on that play where Trey White's coming. Like, usually you can tell when the corner's blitzing. Yeah. I don't really see the tail, especially the first mm -hmm. one. I'm like, I'm watching this back. I'm like, what? Like, Trey definitely gave an indication that he's coming, and he never did. So, like, that's kudos to Sean McDermott and also Trey White for holding that for as long as he well, could. I think the other part of it, too, is I think the, the one you're talking about is a formation where the Dolphins, I think, went trips right, and the only eligible receiver left was the running back. And teams like the Bills, and a lot of teams do this, when that happens, the far corner, who's got no one, will just kind of sit and, like, like, catch stuff. And I like the fact that in that spot, McDermott said, unless of, instead of making Trey White a guy who's just going to sit back and try and defend, I'm going to make him a missile. You know, I'm going to make him an attacker and make better use of him than just have him sit back. Now, you know, to be fair, if, if Tua sees it come and he throws over Trey's head, then it might be gone. But because Trey hid the blitz enough and because it forced Tua to think immediately, I thought it was a genius call. The first one, Trey was so excited. Uh, so excited. He jumped it. He jumped yeah, it. That was the offside. That, I saw so that. Yeah, that's, yeah. How, like, that's how I knew he was so excited because corners don't get the blitz. When I yeah. get the blitz, I'm oh, going to get my <laughs> yeah, stance right. heavy. So... Uh, shout out to McDermott for scheming that up and Trey for executing it. All right, we probably could talk about this game for another hour solid straight. I mean, there was that much good stuff in it, and almost all of it went the Bills' way. All right, uh, next up is a trip to London. We will do this, however, here next week, as always. For Carl Jones, I'm Thad Brown. Thanks for watching Let's Talk Ball. You'll find it every single week 
right here at rochesterfirst.com, on YouTube, on the News 8 page, and wherever you get your podcasts.